You're listening to Recovery Podcast, a production of Volunteers of America. My name's Nick, and I want to thank you for joining us this week for episode 31. At Volunteers of America, we are a ministry of service, seeing broken people physically, emotionally, and spiritually healed and thriving in their lives. Our team brings you recovery podcasts twice a month with stories, interviews, and insights for all those seeking to live their best life. It's our goal to inform, engage, and inspire all who listen. Subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to get it delivered twice each month. If you like what you hear, Please, please subscribe and leave us a review. It helps so much. And now for this week's episode. Well, Adelaide, thank you for joining us today. It's good to have you here. It is great to be here, Nick. Good. I appreciate that. You've had quite a history with our organization. Um, a few years back, you were on staff as a clinical director in our uh, recovery programs, and uh, now you've remained as a volunteer and a minister with us, and actually, uh, just a few weeks ago, were ordained as a minister with the Volunteers of America. I sure appreciate you it going was, through that. It's been an amazing experience, and opportunity for growth. It's been great. Well, we are just privileged to have you here to do the work that we continue to do, to have um, the voice and the experience for the folks that we're serving, uh, to be able to to hear from you and still have you involved in that way. It's amazing uh, how much it shows that you you care and how much are the patients, the folks that we're serving, how much they know that people come from the community as volunteers in to help them walk through this recovery process. Powerful. It's it's a great opportunity with so many opportunities, Nick, for so many people, right? Way beyond me. Just so many opportunities for people to get involved. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we start on our discussion today, mm-hmm. I want to ask you... Uh, a little bit, some some history. Um, I, I, I think you and I have talked about this a little bit before, but but I'd love to dig in a bit more. Your entry into recovery work. Um, what led you in that direction? What what started your passion down that road? Wow. Well, um, I grew up in an alcoholic family system, mm. and. Um, as I got older, got married, that some of those characteristics and maladaptive patterns that happen followed me, um, as they do most of us. Yeah. And then as my husband and I had children, struggled with alcohol and drug addiction with, with some of my children and the pain that that brings and the difficult choices that they make and realizing what you can and cannot do, what your limits are while still caring. Um, right. And so that was personally my journey and where my interest started. Um, 
And I don't know if you want me to go in professionally and why I went down the different paths I took, but from a personal perspective, that's really where it started. Well, I think that's interesting. So many people who don't necessarily have a, an addictive past themselves or, or it hasn't consumed you know, their lives to that point, um, I think there's been something where they, they've noticed that there's a need, whether it's a family member or a friend mm. or somebody, they've noticed that need, they've perceived it, and and maybe not known how to deal with it, how to help someone even, right? And so that that journey then begins into really some research and, and that discovery of, oh, there are ways to be prepared for this, because it just seems to happen all around us. It really does. Yeah. I don't know any... Well, I don't want to jump ahead. <laughs> okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, so let me ask this then. Um, how did your faith journey, your own faith journey, uh, shape your journey into some of that work, that clinical recovery side of things? Um, my faith journey brought me um, into higher education and becoming a marriage and family therapist. Um, I was going to Bethel the Theological Seminary at the time. And as, and as it honestly progressed and went through the academic training and then went through the licensing program and all of the internships and things that have to happen and actually started to do work with individuals, it was so apparent that... For so many of the people I worked with, and I worked with individuals, couples, and families, um, a secondary issue that would pretty consistently crop up was substance use, mm. whether it was an addiction or simply abuse. It just kept pop popping up, whether it was for parents or adolescents, and so then I went on and became a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. And through that process, was able, was able to really start looking at families, the whole family system and everything that was sort of impacting what was happening, happening in the now. And so often it was, would come out sideways in the kids. Um, so it might be parents having difficulty, but it, it did come out and represent itself in sort of what people would call the weakest link or or the member of the family had, that had the smallest voice. Ah, yeah. Was there, as you were going through that time and, and learning how to facilitate uh, recovery and those conversations and all that, uh, any monumental um, pieces or, or aha moments that you really can think of that, that helped to shape you and maybe help you stay consistent with that growth and wanting to stay in that field? Oh, gosh. I think the aha moments um, happened when I was able to connect my academic knowledge and my experiential um opportunities with my own life and see where those dots connected, right? Yeah. And then using those as sort of a jumping off point when working with clients. And then it's, it's different from everyone and for everyone, but it gave me a foundation to yeah. start from. 
Yeah. I think there's expectations too, as I think about so many people that enter this field, uh, especially uh, as your story, uh, they, they want to help somebody. They've seen something, a loved one, somebody close to them has went down this path and, and it just has turned out, uh, unfortunately bad, which it does for so many. Right. And so they, they want to help and they get into this field. They get into research or education to further that. And they have an early expectation of what that's going to mean. And then after you're in it and serving for a while, you obviously see the reality, but maybe the expectations change. What does that look like for you? Have you had a difference of like when you were first getting into the field and studying, here's my expectation. And now as you kind of look back at some of that, has that changed? Is there similarities? Oh, I would say it's changed significantly. Um, and, and part of that, though, Nick, is because of my own faith growth, mm. right? I was in a very different place then sure, uh, compared to now, and being able to recognize offering God to be a part of the solution Um made a made an incredible difference for people and in their lives right there was a re a renewal of hope mm-hmm. and redemption i guess sure. honestly in some ways whether it was redemption to self to family to god um that there was there was a way to heal from it that was more holistic, mind, body, spirit. So often, as therapists, we get stuck with only thinking about the psyche or the soma, and we forget there's a spirit involved. Yep. And so we miss one whole third of a person and what needs to get fed. And so it was really my continued growth in Christ that opened my eyes to that reality for people. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So comparing your journey as, as someone who you maybe feel now like you offer, there's more to offer. There's that holistic picture that you talked about that mm-hmm. you have to offer. And that comes through a deepened relationship with higher power for you. Mm-hmm. And then the people that you're serving, right? The people that walk through recovery process, the hope is that there's this deeper sense of understanding and relationship with higher power. So it's both sides coming together to bring about a a fullness of all of what recovery can offer. Isn't that amazing? It is. There's a big picture there. There's a huge picture that so often anyone can miss, and not out of being malicious or negligent, just sometimes a, a lack of awareness that it's available. Yeah. Well, I think that's important for our listeners to understand is that we strive to make sure that the faith component, the spiritual component, the higher power is always available and such a huge foundational piece of your walk through uh, recovery and renewal. And a lot of times I think people go through programs or, or have maybe one-on-one dialogue with a, a therapist or a counselor, and that piece is is not being talked about or not being uh, delved into the way it should be. And I, I think it's important for folks to know, you know, maybe if you feel really comfortable with that person and, and they're not taking you there, you can have that discussion with them 
and say, yes. boy, that's someplace I'd really like to go. And, and if they're uncomfortable with that, um, maybe they'll advise somebody else to have that dialogue with you. Um, but if, if there's a total close off of that, it's pretty hard to, to want to grow in your higher power when it's not being even shared. It is. And, and I think sometimes we have to remember in our interfaith communities, there are a lot of different belief systems and a lot of different faith practices. And it's making sure that we honor each one of them in their own way without closing that door because I believe this or they believe that. The reality is we have one God, and He's mighty, and He can work through anything in ways that are so amazing that we we can control, and that's a good thing. But we can see the end result of it, and that's an amazing thing. Yeah. We always want to be the ones who are <clears throat> helping to get the door open just a little bit more so that light has more opportunity to come through, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Because so many times it's just been completely closed. And that's where that true isolation and darkness comes from. But if we can just help that door swing ever so gently open even and let that one sliver of light in, boy, there's so much hope just in that piece. There is there is tremendous hope. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to turn... And, and going in the, a little bit different direction now, because I, I want to have some time to visit about this. It's it's your heart and passion, and I, and I know it's growing in our organization and with others as well. Okay. Um, so as you worked through your ordination, you really focused on a pretty unique ministry project, right? And, mm-hmm. and I, I want to spend some time discussing this with you, because I think there's so many pieces of it that are tied to the walk of recovery, not only the 12 steps, but just anyone walking through a process mm-hmm. of, of um, processing, uh, coming out of denial, seeking, surrendering, and then working into that place of service. This all has so many tie-ins, and it's just, again, crucial. I think it's God's map. It's God's roadmap for our life. It really is. And and so it's really about helping others find meaning and purpose and and serving, right? And yes. that, that's really the, the core of it. What what drew you to this concept, to this type of, of curriculum and thought process? Oh my gosh, it's been a, it's been a couple of years now, Nick, and you've been through this journey with me, but I I found let me back up. I've always been a an admirer of Viktor Frankl because he was one of the first people to look at the whole person, mind, body, spirit, and keep them together, not just deal with the mind, not just deal with the body and all of the illness. His goal was to see what's working and how common. Let's focus on that and do more of it. (laughs) And it seems to me to make really good sense. Um, And so I did an 18-month program in learning about logotherapy, getting certified. And logotherapy can be an adjunct therapy to lots of different treatment modalities. But the, the goal is to help people find meaning and purpose, regardless of their circumstance, regardless of if they're facing unavoidable pain yeah. or discomfort. That we can all still rise above that, rise above it well. And 
grow through it and realize we're growing through this experience because we're choosing to do that. Yeah. So you started reading through some of the uh, material that Frankel had had Mm -hmm. put out there. Now, I've heard other people, and it's usually the conversations that I have with people anyways, it's usually um, folks who are already uh, maybe going through other education that's recovery oriented, whether it's clinical or, or, you know, somehow involved in that. They Mm -hmm. found some of the Frankel works and really enjoyed them, appreciated them. But what about the layperson? Is there opportunity for them to pick up something? Is there something that you would point to that Frankel has done that would give somebody an overarching concept of what he taught and what he believes? I think, yes, absolutely. His number one book that most people have heard of, um, maybe not read, but it's Man's Search for Meaning, and it talks about his experience. So he, Frankel developed this logotherapy, meaning therapy, logos, um, and then through life circumstances, ended up himself in the concentration camps, four or five of them, and was able to put into practice, (laughs) actually rising above the situation, his unavoidable circumstances, and choosing the attitude he wanted to take. And it, it was in that choosing of the attitude that helped him get through those things for four or five years. And so he got to literally practice that. And um, I read the book, oh, decades ago, Nick, um, but became reintroduced to it. And it's where I suggest many people start in just, it, it can almost create a bit of a foundation to realize my gosh, I can choose my attitude in every situation, whether I have control of it or whether I don't. I get to choose that, and no one can take it from me unless I let them, right? Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's something you planned, uh, being diagnosed with cancer, mental health issue. It doesn't matter. Um, we can still choose the stand we want to take. And that involves the attitude we want to use and show others. Well, and that's life, right? Mm. We don't get to choose the circumstances that so many times take place in our lives. Um, it's it's uh, so much of it is out of our control. But like the serenity prayer states, um, you know, help us, Lord, to to live with and have peace with those things that Mm -hmm. are out of our control, help us to do what we can do and walk through this. And so it sounds like Frankel just has some really great pieces and processes to help us think about how we do that well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So there, in in the work that I've seen that you've done, um, as you start some of this, there's a couple of assessments that uh, I know individuals, uh, as they work through the material that can take, um, why, why is that important? For so many of us, it can give us a beginning point, looking at where we are today. Uh, one of those assessments is the purpose in life assessment to determine, okay, where are we right now in our today? What life, what is our purpose? And as we begin to, begin to put into practice these new 
learnings and ideas. We can go out six months a year. I don't know that it matters so much the time frame, but take the assessment again and be in a whole different place. And it shows us that we are putting into practice the power God has given us. God has given us the power over our own mind and thoughts. He has done that. We need to choose to embrace it and say, yes, I'm going, I'm going to use this. God gave this to me. Right. And so it, it can show us our own growth when we're in the middle of something and we don't see it. What do those look like? What what are if you just give us a little bird's eye of one of those assessments? What what kind of questions are there that help us walk through that? It really talks about a lot of a lot of the questions are about just how do we approach certain life situations, right? Mm. What's the attitude we have? What's the attitude we take? And um, If we're honest, it lets us know we, we don't feel like we have a lot of meaning or purpose in life. And if we don't have that, it weighs us down because it's how we're created. We need to have meaning and purpose. It's, I mean, we're made in the image of God. I mean, that's meaning and purpose, right? Mm, yeah. And so, I mean, that's just so exciting to me. Um, one of the places, and I don't know how personal I want to get, but one of the places I realized this growth was um, a little over a year ago, after my husband passed away unexpectedly, I realized I get to choose. That doesn't mean it's easy, but I get to choose how I want to think about this experience and how do I want to grow through this experience, right? Without, without pretending you don't have down days and you don't have sad days and you don't have lonely days because you do. Um, and yet realizing things have come out of that that I never could have predicted. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if there's a uh, a waypoint that, that you always can point back to regardless of how the sea maybe gets you off course. Mm -hmm. There's always that that spot that uh, you can navigate towards because you know it's there and and this helps you to define some of that. I think about so many people who are dealing obviously with an addiction. Mm. Part of the reason we process through an addiction is because there's just this overwhelming sense of loss, meaninglessness, mm -hmm. uh, no purpose, just a, a drift at sea, mm -hmm. right? And, yes. and it, it, we're just coping, right? We're just using that to cope in the moment instead of really fixing the direction that yes. we need to go and, and having that purpose reestablished in our life. People are finding, and it may seem strange, but people are finding when they be become aware of knowing that finding and having meaning and purpose in life outside of alcohol or drugs or gambling or pornography or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. Um, is possible that those things simply fill a gap, the gap that's meant for God, a gap that's meant for healing and wholeness, but the other stuff has blocked it. It's gotten in the way of it. Yeah. 
So we've kind of danced around this again, but these assessments, understanding this greater, why is it so important for somebody in their walk of recovery, do you think? Mm. It lets them know where they've been and what that has cost them emotionally, physically, spiritually, and where that growth is beginning to emerge, how there's healing and wholeness, hope, recovery, a rebuilding of trust with family, friends, and others. Um, And not to suggest that it's fast or easy, it's not. It's just possible. Yeah, yeah. Is someone, so I'm going to go back again and talk about this comparison to even just the 12th step process, mm. right? Because it's it's amazing when we look at these things side to side, how we can compare and contrast them. And there's, there's benefits. Uh, this obviously, the curriculum that we're talking about and, and meaning and purpose and, and serving, uh, it goes beyond. There's so many other steps, but I think someone really has to, to, to really benefit from this in an honest way, you have to be in a place where you're surrendering to something, right? There, there has to be that first step that says, boy, I, I want to even choose to go through this. I want to even choose to, to begin this process, much like your first, second, third steps are before you get to an inventory, then, mm-hmm. which is kind of like this assessment piece then. We're really taking this diverse inventory. Yes. Yeah. We've talked about it. It's we've talked about it uh, under the um, frame of dying to self, right? We need to die to self to truly experience God's presence in our life and to open our eyes to in some some ways what's killing us <laughs> without without any value mm. right mm. so when we can take that fearless inventory like you talk about right fourth step fifth step it's not one and done we do this throughout our lives um because we remember more all the time um but to me it's a little bit like thinking about standing before the throne of God, where people talk about this life review in so many areas and instances and books and recountings. And so it's a little bit like doing that now while you're still here, right? Looking at your life and say, okay, probably wasn't the best decision. Um, And though you can go back and reflect on it and realize I can do it differently now, right? It provides such an experience of growth. It's not about shame. And I think that's what gets some people stuck, right? This is all about shame and all the bad things I've done. It's about recognizing, experiencing what the other person might have felt, Mm. accepting a different sort of love from God through that process and moving forward so you don't keep... staying stuck. It's what keeps people stuck in addiction. Yeah. And um, being able to do that with your whole heart, your whole being, 
is, hmm, um, I don't know, I can't even think of a word. Well, it sounds like what we're all in search of, right? It's it's this centeredness. It's, again, the, the purpose and meaning of the serenity prayer in our life, right? Mm-hmm. This, this ability to respond to things in a way that says I'm I'm because of who I am, my identity that's been rooted in in God, that's been rooted in truth and things mm-hmm. that are uh, full of light and life instead of darkness and void. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able to respond to these things in my life and to others in a way that that allows me to serve, allows me. So, in in thinking about this process, then you begin with this surrender and then this this assessment and understanding where you're at what you've been through, some of those things. Mm -hmm. And as somebody goes through this process, then what does that look like? If, if you were to say, well, here's somebody that gets through this and they've really been successful with it. What would that mean for them? It can create a new awakening, a new sense of purpose because you've dealt with those things that so often have held us back and kept us captive whether that's captive in our own thoughts, our own belief systems, um, thinking there's no way out. It allows us the freedom to move away from that, not forget it, but to move away from that into the newness of God and what He has for us. Yeah. Right? Because we're putting ourselves at the foot of the cross, all of us, (laughs) all of our parts, and... That produces a freedom that many people have never experienced before. Yeah. Well, that's so powerful. That's that's the recovery process, really, right there, right? That, that's where we're, we're all trying to get to this place where mm-hmm. we can walk through those things. I love the word, and I've mentioned this quite a few times on the podcast, this word resilience. Ah. Yes. You know, how how powerful and, and intentional of a word is that to help us understand that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to build this resilience through all these different tools, all these things that we're learning about ourselves, to be able to walk through life uh, trusting Him and knowing that there's a bigger plan and a purpose for us than just uh, meeking our way day to day, so to speak. There's, yes, there's much more to life than just survival. We're created to thrive in Him in spite of the challenges we face, expected or unexpected. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm thankful that you have taken the time to develop, and, and can, we're kind of continuing to develop this uh, curriculum <laughs> and these pieces. These are things that are available um, not only to our staff and our ministry team here, but also uh, those that we're serving. Our, our clients will have access to this. And I would even say for our podcast listeners, um, if you're interested in some of this material, I bet there's a way that we could get it to them. They can reach out to us, uh, e- email us at ministry at voanr.org, or call us, get in touch with us through the uh, the links that are available through the podcast um, piece. But I-, I would love to make sure that if anybody's more interested in some of this, that they have access, because it is so powerful. It's, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. We've created curriculum, gotten feedback. Um, and it will always be in a state of change as we work with more people and get greater feedback. Um, but it is available to, 
to people. Um, I'm happy to provide some guidance if, if that would add value for anyone. Um, it's not necessary, but happy to do it. And um, so, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I would love that. I think I, I know we're going to have you on uh, on a future podcast again, and maybe what I'd love to do is to have uh, someone even who's worked through some of this material to join us as well and talk about going through this process and what it's meant for them, and then have you as well there to kind of just share how they've walked through some of these steps and what it's meant. So as I ask everybody, as we kind of wrap these times up, um, you know, for our folks listening, whether they're somebody in active addiction right now, somebody that's in their recovery but maybe is struggling, or some loved one, a family member uh, that, that's dealing with somebody in, re- you know, that needs recovery that's in active addiction right now, what would you want to leave them with? I found this, and it's been so powerful over my life since I first read it in Man's Search to Meaning. But when I think about people in early recovery, those who haven't started that process yet, maybe, and don't know where even to begin because it's like this fog, he has a great quote, and it says, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. That's the power we have. And when we have that power in God, it is so magnified. That can give us hope. It's beyond our strength. And we have the resource to claim that extra strength, right? Mm, yeah. Um, through Christ and accepting Him as Lord and Savior, knowing there's forgiveness in that. I encourage people to hold on to that. Yeah, that's so powerful. And that's really at the core of this podcast as well. I'm giving you opportunities to learn and grow and reach out. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Adelaide Wilson, for for joining us today. Again, we'll have you on on a future podcast, and we'll look forward to that. And thank you all for listening today. I hope that uh, you were encouraged and just want to remind everybody to reach out. If you have a need, we are here. We're glad to support you. God loves you. Blessings. Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Volunteers of America. If you heard something that strikes a chord, shoot us an email at recoverypodcast at voanr.org. Today's music is courtesy of Free Music Archive. This week you heard tunes by Ketza, who also composed our theme music. Links to the artists can be found at our website. Thanks for listening, rating, and most importantly, for sharing this podcast with your friends and family. 